G'day everyone and welcome to another Bloody Movie Podcast. I'm Sean Coates. Thanks very much for listening in to this fine program on this fine day, whatever day that might be, because of course that is the beauty of the medium of podcasting. We're back for the first time in 2022 to bring you a very special preview of a brand new film festival that starts just next week in Sydney and Melbourne. From international film festival favourites to star-studded blockbusters and subversive works held by some of Europe's most celebrated auteurs, the Europa Europa Film Festival is set to bring the very best of European cinema to Australian shores for the first time from February 4th to the 27th, featuring 43 films with 42 countries represented. The festival brings Europe's most innovative, audacious and daring films to audiences down under in Sydney and Melbourne. Repeating, it is happening from the 4th That's starting this Friday through the 27th of February. And it's happening in Melbourne at the Classic Cinemas in Elstonwick and the Lido Cinemas in Hawthorne. And for Sydney Ciders, it'll be screening at the Ritz Cinemas in Randwick. There's an incredible lineup, as we said, 43 films with 42 countries represented with just some remarkable, remarkable stuff playing here. But you don't need to hear it from me. You can hear it from the festival director of Europa Europa, Thomas Caldwell, who I had the absolute joy and privilege of having a chat to last week uh, to talk all about sort of the logistics of setting this festival up in the time of COVID, um, uh, you know, just how he got involved with the festival, uh, why a festival revolved around Europe, and then also to highlight some of the very best films that you cannot miss at this year's festival. Um, enjoy the chat, which you'll hear in just a moment, but um, a little disclaimer. At the time of recording this interview, I was isolating at home because I had contracted uh, COVID-19. So apologies if my voice is a little crackly or gurgly or raspy or just I sound a little sickly. Um, so if you're just wondering what that is, that's just me and apologies for that. But, you know, I, th- COVID cannot stop another Bloody Movie podcast from soldiering on. So without further ado, here's my chat with the Europa Europa Film Festival director, Thomas Caldwell. I'm here with the programmer for the, uh, well, is it, is it the Europa Europa or is it just the Europa Film Festival? It is a little confusing. <laughs> I think the official fancy titles, title is Europa Europa. Yeah, I like it that way. It's so nice you have to say it twice. So uh, the festival <laughs> director of the Europa Europa Film Festival, uh, Thomas Caldwell, is joining me. Um, how are you, Thomas? I'm well. Thank you for having me on. Yes, I'm currently from COVID. I'm currently isolating for COVID, so I could be better. But um, tell us a little bit about this festival. It's a brand new festival. Um, what sort of motivated you to organise it and why specifically around European cinema? Sure. Well, it was the people from Moving Story Entertainment who approached me. So they run uh, the Jewish Film Festival, Fantastic Film Festival Australia, and also the Children's International Film Festival. And I originally had worked with them as the artistic director of that, doing children's film programming. But they came to me with this idea. And the thinking was... I think there were a few ideas behind it, but one was that Europe is just this amazing continent of cinematic output that has very close ties and resonance with Australian audiences because of both our backgrounds and the kind of cinema we all grew up with. And even though Australia and, and Melbourne and Sydney in particular are really great with getting a lot of diverse films out into the community, there's still a lot of stuff that falls between the the gaps. So we wanted to do a festival specifically about Europe that would highlight the sort of best of the best from all the various countries and make sure we get 
films from all those smaller countries that normally get overlooked by general releases and even other film festivals. And another thing I really brought to the table was putting the festival on right now to capitalise on all the films that have their world premieres at places like the Venice Film Festival and the Toronto International Film Festival. Because Australia is really well served by festivals that are positioned to come right after things like Berlin or Cannes. But those two festivals, Venice and Toronto, often those films might just go straight to streaming or the big festivals will sit on them for eight months. Yeah. We thought, let's go now and capitalise on the amazing cinema that comes out of those two festivals. Um, that was sort of a secondary concern. But yeah, it was mainly recognising that Europe is this amazing continent that sort of does have a distinct cinematic identity, but is also really diverse as well and grab the best of the best of those films. Mm. Speaking on that diversity, I believe you have 43 films in your program with uh, 42 countries represented and you've got everything from like, you know, the new films from established like auteurs like Joanna Hogg and Bruno Dumont, um, Andrea Arnold, Gaspar Noé. And you've also got like big sort of like uh, festival winners, like you've got the Camera Dior winner um, Marina from mm. last year's Cannes Film Festival and a bunch of um, uh, European countries there um, submissions for the Best International Feature Oscar this year. How important was that, that sort of diversity in a program like this and not just getting the big sort of ones that, you, that are going to bring people in through the door? Yeah, exactly. It's always, I mean, I've been programming films now for almost a decade and it's that, that, it's that real interesting juggling act of going with the stuff that excites me personally because that's what I can get behind and I want to put in the festival and also recognising the fact that if we're going to get, uh, if we're going to serve our audiences properly, we've got to get a really broad uh, selection of films. And, th and that includes going after the big kind of, yeah, heavy hitters that sort of dominate other festivals and have the big names attached, but also the kind of stuff that cinephiles are going to be more interested in, interested in and not just cinephiles but I guess people from you know smaller communities like it's always important to think about people who may not be hardcore film buffs but who are interested in seeing a particular culture represented on the screen so and often those audiences are better served by some of the the, the smaller um sort of slightly more more niche films so yeah, it's really important to get that balance and not be too top heavy. We, we don't want to be a greatest hits festival. And also we don't want to be so obscure that, that nobody takes a punt and comes in. Mm. And just, but yeah, speaking to that as well, it's like uh, with so for festivals like this, where it's like, it's not that I didn't know that some of these countries made movies. It's just that I was like, I'd never seen a, a film from this country before. And now I'm like, I want to see more. I yeah. I'm interested to see more. Like um, I remember last year, what was it? I watched um, what was it? The Hills, the uh, the the Hills where lionesses roar, which was a film from Kosovo, and yes. I was like, oh, this yes. was quite good. I don't think I've actually seen a film from Kosovo before. This is a I, I want to know more. I know I saw that too. In fact, I saw that for this festival. But um, uh, you know, of course, it was really great to see it get snapped up elsewhere and get an audience that way. But um, absolutely. I mean. I think we forget that different countries just have different industries depending on um, the, the sort of culture of the country in terms of government and public support. Um, but also, you know, some countries have been making films since the very beginning. Like, you know, France is always going to be well mm. represented because they were there at the beginning and, and countries like, like Italy and, of course, I mean, the, the UK and even Spain have these really long, rich traditions. But other countries just 
got to it either uh, later or it's just a much smaller output. And I mean, some of the countries who got represented here, the film industry is very young because these are countries that have been ravaged by war for decades. Mm. Like some of these countries, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were having civil war. Um, and we've got films, you know, that actually talk to that, where it's sort of a generation of people reflecting on the fact that their, you know, their parents and grandparents were, 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 were fighting in the streets. So, so huge diversity in, in that regard in terms of how different countries, um, their relationship to cinema. And yeah, and some, some of these countries don't make that many films, while um, some, it's, you know, it's ridiculous, the output. Yeah. Um... How difficult has it been to program this festival in the middle of a pandemic? And has it been sort of, because I don't understand normally, I mean, you could probably tell with your um, previous experiences programming other festivals, uh, it has, like you normal, I imagine you'd normally go, like physically go to other festivals and try to acquire films that way. Has it been easier or more difficult to do that virtually and to, for the festival to still go ahead now, what sort of, I guess, contingencies or what sort of plans do you have to go ahead so you can do this festival safely? That's an interesting, that's a really interesting question. Look, I used to work for one of the big festivals and they were really big on trying to send people overseas. And like, so you're taking, you know, a 24 hour flight to another country to, to binge watch cinema and some of these big festivals for 10 days. And you know, I have to confess, not nearly as fun as that sounds. Um, working on one of these smaller festivals where, you know, they can't afford or I can't afford to send myself off overseas, really have to rely on things like the publicity screeners and talking to sales agents overseas and, and getting things via, via links. And in a way, the pandemic has kind of made that process easier because it's the norm. That no one's expecting you to go into a cinema now. So it's actually been a lot easier to get stuff via a screening link. Um, so weirdly, the kind of pandemic conditions has made programming a bit easier. I mean, the challenge I've had is I've also had a small child at home who I've got to supervise uh, their remote learning. So it's very difficult, especially trying to watch, you know, traumatic social realism films about <laughs> war crime or horror when you've got a, a six-year-old who keeps running in the room and trying not to traumatise them. Um, uh, but, but the conditions otherwise in terms of programming actually haven't been that badly affected by, by the pandemic. What is the real challenge now? Well, not, not the challenge, it's kind of out of our hands. Will audiences come to the cinema to see these films? I mean, um, we, we launched the, the festival last weekend with the screening of Benedetta. And, um, and, you know, I'm sure we would have got much more people come to that launch if if this wretched new variant was was knocking people out of um, action or, um, or, or or keeping people away. So I'm really hoping in February, you know, maybe that sort of wave has died down a bit or people are feeling more comfortable. I mean, I've started going back to the cinema again and feeling fine about it, but I'll have to confess I'm a lot happier now my son has had his first shot. Like for a while, I really didn't want to be around anybody until I could get my son vaccinated. So... I'm really hoping by the time February happens, which I know is not far away, um, people start to feel a bit more, a bit more secure and confident that they can enjoy a film safely. 
Mm. And if they still aren't convinced um, to, to come along to the festival, um, just before we head off, because I know you're on a short time limit here, what are some of your must-see or, like, in, in the films that you just can't miss from your festival or just some of your personal highlights oh. or personal recommendations in this program? Because there's a lot here, as I said, 43 films. Yeah, I mean, the flippant, the flippant answer, of course, is everything. You must see it all. Um, I mean, I will stress that some of, these, some of these smaller films you probably won't see on the big screen, possibly at all in Australia, if you don't come to the festival. Like, there's no guarantee some of these films will even be picked up by streaming because streaming is so algorithm-driven now that unless it's something like, you know, Parasite or, or, or one of the big sort of auteur foreign language film directors, yeah, they might honestly fall under the radar. So what are some of the films I want to give a shout out to? I mean, The Souvenir Part 2, which is their opening night film, really is great. I mean, it really is a, a special film that I like way more than I thought I would. I was a bit on the fence about the first film, but the second one very much works in its own right. It's sort of this kind of slightly self-reflexive droll look at this, this semi-autobiographical film about a woman as a film student trying to find her, her her voice in the world and the various people she encounters so i would say even if you haven't seen the first souvenir film or even if you didn't care for it i reckon you'll still really enjoy the second one um i was blown away by the norwegian horror film the innocence um this had a lot of really good word of mouth when it first screened at khan um and when i saw it i was sort of staggered by how strong a film it is really amazing supernatural film about kids who have telekinetic powers and um it's just pushes some of those boundaries about the kind of thing you would normally see on the big screen in terms of kids doing harm to each other um really first yeah first time in a long time i've watched a horror film and genuinely been really kind of a bit terrified to the core in that great roller coaster way that's enjoyable it's weird i saw the new scream film the other day which was perfectly enjoyable but i was really aware of i don't feel anything watching this kind of thing it's fun but i'm not scared like it was great to watch an actual scary <laughs> film um another personal favorite is a turkish film called brothers keeper which um was it's just so exciting because you when you're programming these films you just watch thing after thing and they're all sort of like pretty good and every now and then something really jumps out and you can't you feel like you've just discovered this secret it's like how come no one else has got this film yet but brothers keeper is this turkish film set in a remote boarding school uh, up in the mountains it's only it's set over 24 hours i love those self-contained time films um it's about a boy who gets very sick and he's, his best friend is spending the whole time just trying to get the other teachers and the other students to take it seriously and look after this kid. And thing after thing goes wrong. Like they can't get a car to go into town. They, they run out of medicine, the phone lines are down and it, it creates this wonderful tension that, that even kind of gets absurdly darkly comic towards the second half as well. That um, it's just such a really well uh, directed and managed film. Um, I recommend Earwig if people really want something macabre and left field. Left field, really strange, mesmerising. I don't want to say creepy, but it's just got the weirdest tone. It's um, uh, and I can't even really describe it other than saying, you know, the ten-year-old girl has eyes for teeth and a man looks after her. Oh, and he's just <laughs> not too sure of what the deal is there. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of wow. Yeah, it's definitely got a foot in the fantasy world, but um. 
really weird and there's some you know really full-on scene that sort of happened well well i don't know where in the film I, I do remember um friend of the show and previous guest and also um fantastic film festival australia uh, artistic director hudson sawada pointed oh. me towards that one when um uh, i was covering the toronto international film festival and i was devastated that when i couldn't watch it due to um uh, geo-blocking <laughs> Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. So I, when I was programming this, I was watching a lot of the Toronto stuff as well. And so many amazing films were geo-blocked. <laughs> but um, look, some of them we got, some of them we watched and, and we got. Um, actually, one of the Toronto films that um, it also was screening at Venice that I really enjoyed was True Things, a UK film um, starring Ruth Wilson. Sort of, it's, I, I, I mean, it, it's hard to describe without making it sound a bit reductive but it's a toxic relation film it's a toxic relationship film it's about a woman who's looking for something more in her life and just starts this full-on affair with this you know this, this bad boy guy who turns out to be yeah pretty bad but it, it's it's just good to see sort of sort of a sexy erotic drama in the cinema again um and that's one thing i'll say for a lot of these films and it's it's, it's a bit of a, a cliche but the europeans are so more chilled out i think <laughs> So much, so much American, you know, mainstream cinema has become very didactic and very much we want to tell you exactly how you're meant to feel about these characters, and we are trying to teach a lesson and make a statement. Whether these European films, it's all about ambiguity and anti-heroes, and you know, people don't always do the morally right thing, and and that's that's presented on screen for us to wrap our heads around without being told explicitly how to feel. Um, you know things like violence sex and nudity are woven into to the film quite seamlessly without feeling like anyone's trying to make make a, a statement or a point it's 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 really quite a different you know aesthetic and philosophy behind a lot of these films that is such a great point of difference to other stuff we see mm, exactly and you've actually reaffirmed what i was hoping to catch because all most of i'm pretty sure all the films you mentioned are actually on my short list to watch at the festival so thank you yeah, for validating <laughs> thank you for validating um uh, my choices there but um so unfortunately we're out of time but thank you so much thomas um if people want to find out uh, see the full program find more about the festival or buy tickets or passes uh, where can they head along to yeah go to uh europa so europe with an a on the end europa filmfestival.com.au and that will sort you out if you're in Melbourne or Sydney. Yep, and it is screening, and we should also say it's screening at the Classic Cinemas in Elstonwick and the Lido Cinemas in Hawthorne in Melbourne and also at the uh, in Sydney it will be screening at the Ritz in Randwick. That's the information I have. Yep, <laughs> well I, <laughs> I, I'd hope it would have the same information. Yeah, no, I, I should be across that, that that's, that's correct. Um, 4th to the 27th of February. Awesome. No, Thomas, thank you so much for joining me. Um, uh, good luck with the festival and enjoy the movies. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Another big thank you to Thomas there for that great chat all about the Europa Europa Film Festival, this awesome festival that I am so excited for and I cannot wait to get around it to see what sort of show he's put on here. So thanks for Thomas for coming on. And if you're in Melbourne and Sydney and if you're fully vaccinated and preferably boosted as well um and if you feel safe to go to the cinemas please go support europa europa film festival once again happening from february 4th to the 27th at the lido cinemas in hawthorne the classic cinemas in elstonwick and for you sydney siders the ritz cinemas in randwick
In our chat, Thomas mentioned just a handful of the 43 films he has playing in this year's program. But if you want to check out more, if you want to buy tickets, see the full program, and also view the session times for those films, make sure you head to europafilmfestival.com.au. That is Europa, E-U-R-O-P-A, filmfestival.com.au, where you can, as I said, view the, all the session times, you can see the full program, and also purchase individual tickets, but also you can buy a festival pass, which gets you 10 tickets to the festival for just $175. That is a $17.50 per ticket, and that's a considerable discount from what you would get for 10 individual tickets. So if you're planning on heading to the festival, I highly recommend getting around that deal because it is a good one. And for more updates from the festival during the festival, you can head to the film festival socials, which at both Facebook and Instagram is at Europa Film Fest. That is E-U-O-A-P-A, once again, Film Fest um, for both Facebook and Instagram. And for Twitter, it's a little bit different. For Twitter to go follow them, that would be Europa, Europa FF. So make sure you get around the socials, follow them, and keep up to date with all the updates of the festival as they happen in real time and as for us you know what you know where to find us please if you if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts we're on spotify we are on uh where else are we we're on apple podcasts we're no longer on soundcloud but we are also on stitcher and on anchor and basically wherever you get your podcast just search for another bloody movie podcast and hit subscribe you can also follow our socials on facebook twitter and instagram uh, you know, the, all, all of the links to the socials are now in the show notes, so I don't have to waste any more time, any more of my time or your time talking about them on here. So if socials, in if to, to find any of the social links, please look in the show notes below and go follow wherever you seem it to be appropriate. And anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>